Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. The holidays are coming up quickly, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> and I will—I have to think this will be a holiday like no, none other. Yeah. Um, about what last Thanksgiving was like. You know, traditional family and friends. We were wanting to kind of unpack a little bit about what you might want to do for the holidays uh, with COVID in mind. So we've brought back uh, a friend of the podcast, Mary, Mary, Mary Angela Miller, who is here. Uh, she is our, our food safety expert. And so we're going to unpack a little bit about how to and the holidays with COVID. So excited to have Mary Angela Miller back with us, uh, just to remind all of our viewers, and for those of you who might be listening to her for the first time today, you're in for a treat, but Mary Angela spent 15 years as the Nutrition Services Director at Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, 13 years as a healthcare administrator, and now as an adjunct professor in the College of Medicine, Health and Rehabilitation Sciences. Mary is an industry advocate and was elected as president of the National Association of Healthcare Food Service Management, the State of Ohio's Dietetic Association, and delegate to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics on behalf of dietitians in leadership roles. Mary is also known as MAM, the food safety dietitian, and she's a small business entrepreneur, founder of Keep Safe Food, offering consumers products to protect their plates for personal food safety. She loves food and travel adventures and has enjoyed cerveche in Peru, kebabs in Egypt, and tasted 40-year-old balsamic vinegar in an aging cellar in Tuscany. Sounds fabulous. <laughs> she knows firsthand that good food is safe food and that tastes good and is good for you. So welcome back, Mary Angela. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Laura and Amy, thank you. We miss those travel days, don't we? Yeah. Uh, oh, I know yeah. that I do. I was hoping to see another whole part of the world this fall. Instead, here we are. And I think we'll all be tiptoeing around our turkey in a month or so. Yeah, exactly. There's a little anxiety going on on my part here. And I thought this would be a great topic to talk about because I'm, I'm the host of our Thanksgiving celebrations every year. And just knowing what's happened this past summer and when we've had the 4th of July barbecue and how I've tried to handle to keep people safe and apart and not spreading those COVID germs, it's sort of stressing me out to think about the holidays right now, to say the least. And they're stressful to begin with, right? Right. True. Amy, are you also uh, the host for Thanksgiving? Generally, yeah. I usually have my parents who are in their 70s uh, down, and this is, this is a concern that we have. We'll have my husband's kids over, but then we'll have my parents down. And I'm, I'm genuinely worried about holiday celebrations this year because even though they're in good health, I'm not taking any chances. And frankly, you know, this can happen to anybody. Right. Um, a serious case can happen to anybody. And it's funny because I think, you know, we, we don't think about viruses that are holiday celebrations, but they've always been there. How yeah. many times 
you know, have you heard about a stomach bug, you know, a, <laughs> a stomach virus that breaks out at somebody's holiday dinner? Yeah. You know, grandma came in sick and then everybody was sick. You know, mm-hmm. it, this is not new. True. Necessarily. The viruses have already always been there. But I think COVID adds a whole nother, you know, element to worrying about doing this right. And so this is one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, Mary, is to talk about, you know, what would you suggest as, you know, how to feed people, what's the safest way, and what are some of the tips that you are are thinking about for holiday celebrations? We we haven't decided yet (laughs) who's hosting. Typically, I'm a guest at my daughter's house. But whether you're a host or a guest, right, um, we've all have our bubbles that we think are our safety bubble through COVID. Yep. And at this holiday season, it's those bubbles are going to expand or they might burst or a couple bubbles <laughs> may come together. Right. So it is it, concerning. And I've talked to, um, I do a lot of work with restaurants and healthcare food service directors still and talk to them about how they are preparing as well so we can share some of that. But think about it. In restaurants, for those of us who've run restaurants, if we have an employee who shows symptoms or is sick, we send them home. Right. That's kind of hard to do when you're the host. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. You're not going to be the hostess with the mostess. Um, you're going to say, you know, screen them at the door and say, well, you know, I'm sorry, we've got to call the health department about these symptoms and, you know, come back tomorrow um, once we clear you. So, so it's a challenge. And we were calling it the twindemic um, because we're looking at this surge, you know, Laura, you mentioned that the surge might happen as we move indoors with COVID. Mm -hmm. Then we're also entering into flu season. So the pandemic is complicated by the twin epidemic, which is complicated by the holiday season. And I really think we're in a perfect storm and you're right to be worried and we're right to try and be careful. Sure. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is even though my husband and I pretty much, are working from home. My sons are working in a situation where they have to go into an office every day. So there is no pod. We have no, you know what I mean? There is no pod if I want to have the whole family around for Thanksgiving. And if you have to go to the grocery store, you know, technically you're outside your pod. And so even to just I, the thought of doing the click list or the Instacart for my grocery shopping for Thanksgiving also gives me stress because I don't trust them to get the right substitutes if there's not what I would want there, you know, at the store to make my meal. And so there's some of that going on. And it's just, it. but the con- main concern is that we have parents and who are more at risk for having a more severe reaction to COVID. And so that's at the top of my mind. It's just something that is nerve wracking. And and when we had like the 4th of July or this summer, we're in Ohio here where we do our podcast here and we are starting to see colder weather. And so, you know, the thought of we've kind of told everybody, well, on Thanksgiving weekend, we could pick the best warmest day, and that's the day we're going to do it. And and oh. and so we might kind of play that game so that we can have it on our screen porch and out near our fire pit, and we can have heaters going maybe. 
and uh, pick maybe the best day to have our Thanksgiving celebration so it can still be outside. I, I certainly feel like I feel safer being outside than inside. So we're having those conversations. But I think part of what makes me even more nervous is just the serving of the food. Because at the, at the 4th of July, I was serving hot dogs and we were cooking and grilling out. And I have literally, as the dietitian, I've plated everything up. I've avoided buffets. And so I'd like your opinion on buffets. But, you know, I was avoiding buffets. I was serving everyone. So lit- and I would literally not even let them put mustard on their hot dog or ketchup on their hot dog. So, you know what I mean? So I'm touching the mustard. I'm touching the ketchup. And we don't have to share it around a table. And then everybody has to go wash their hands before they can eat their food. I don't know. That's just <laughs> kind of what we were doing <laughs> to try to well, minimize things. We've, we've learned a lot, right, since the early months of the pandemic because before there was so much focus on surfaces right and cross-contamination and you were probably thinking of that top of mind and shared utensils etc but one of the things that we've learned it doesn't necessarily put my mind at ease but it lets me focus our efforts is that COVID-19 is primarily spread through respiratory contamination uh-huh. and it's worth repeating that COVID-19 is not a foodborne illness right but I always want to remind people that when we talk about foodborne illness obviously a topic near and dear to my heart right <laughs> one of the causes of foodborne illness is biological which means you know it's the germs and those germs are bacterias and viruses so because COVID-19 is a virus the same steps that we use to practice food safety also protect us from not only the foodborne illness viruses, but the COVID-19 viruses. And that preventing cross-contamination, I think of it now more between people to people rather than food to cutting board or that kind of cross-contamination. So be very careful. So buffets in particular, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, I mentioned my backgrounds in healthcare, and we use a lot of buffets in healthcare because we have to feed people quickly. Healthcare workers sometimes only have, and Amy, you might be able to talk about this. <laughs> we we counted that they have 20 minutes to eat. It might take them 10 minutes to get down to one of our restaurants, 10 minutes mm-hmm. to get back, and so we have to get them through quickly. So the reason we use a lot of buffets in restaurants is it's quick. Mm-hmm. You can personalize it to what you want to serve yourself, and it's low labor because we don't, we can restock the food. So I say, think about that. So what did healthcare and what do restaurants do? Well, some of them just shut their buffets, but they put servers out there. So we can do that at home. So I think if the buffet is still most convenient for you, I would assign somebody to be the server and not let people serve themselves, but still let them go through kind of like a catering line, right? We have a okay. server on the other side and let them tell you what they want but serve them and then space out the line, space out the line. Right. So, because you're not going to have sneeze guards probably at home. No. (laughs) Or in restaurants, right? And there's rules about those. So I would encourage them to keep their masks on when they go through the line, because your mask is essentially a personalized sneeze guard. So that's one thing. If people still want to go through and serve themselves, then give them their own set of serviceware. Mm -hmm. 
to do so. But I would still encourage them you to let them go through one at a time. Right. So that would be my, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Those would be my two big things about a buffet, which is still a good way to go if you're having a fairly large crowd. Right. I wondered about separate serviceware. Because, yeah. you know, like, for example, at the hospital, we have not had a salad bar now since March. <laughs> they're doing prepackaged salads, and they're doing, like, a chef salad bar. So now the, the chef is behind the table serving the salad bar, basically. So we haven't really started. But I thought about disposable tongs. And I thought if everyone went through, and we have good sneeze guards on the, the equipment, if we have a separate set of tongs for everybody that could then, you know, be put in a container and washed and then reused the next day. I wondered about separate serviceware and if that would be safe. Um, I think it would be safe uh, in terms of you wouldn't have cross-contamination opportunity, at least from the, from the serviceware. And I know at home, so for my family dinners, yeah. I'm not the best cook in the family, and that's <laughs> the kind thing that my family tells me. Um, so I'm usually charged with when we all bring something with bringing the paper goods. <laughs> yeah. So so I have a lot of disposable serviceware because especially if I'm traveling to like my hometown, you know I don't want to keep track of it. So right. not yeah. that I don't want to be sustainable, but I have a lot of separate serviceware. So if I don't come home with it, I don't miss it if it gets tossed in the trash. Right. I know we usually like to step it up to be a little bit classier on Thanksgiving, but this is a different Thanksgiving. So yeah, I, I think that might be a good idea, Amy, um, yeah. if you can afford to do that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, wrap everybody's serviceware in their own napkin. Something like that happen in, in restaurants. So that might be something to do at home. Right. I agree with you. I think there was such a focus on surfaces and wiping down groceries. And yeah. I always said, I believe you are more likely to get COVID at the grocery than from the grocery. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that person-to-person transmission. And I know it's so hard to keep people separate, especially if your house is not very big. Our house is not very big. Right. You right. know, for, to have people sitting six feet apart, we're already limited in the number of people that we could have in here. And maybe this is the year that if you normally host everybody's cousins and yeah. their spouses, <laughs> that you don't do that. Maybe you think about the number of people, the, the people that are like non-negotiable to come, your kids, your parents, and end it there and say, we'll keep the extended family for next year or in the summer, we'll get together with that extended family. So just fewer, fewer touch points, fewer people there that could cause an issue. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good strategy. And I almost look at the issue with, you know, overkill. We, we say overkill and overcommunicate on sanitation. It's almost like what we used to say pre-COVID is you walk, if you walk into a restaurant, you look at the bathroom. You're not eating in the bathroom, but you make the judgment about the bath, the restaurant based on their restaurant, right? Well, now I think we make a judgment before we even walk in the door with, do they have a hand sanitizing station? Is the hostess masked? So right. we can kind of do the same thing at home just to put our guests at ease. So even though it might not be the surfaces that are the issue, I would say, you know, invest in some of the single-use sanita- sanitation or sanitary wipes, you know, the alcohol wipes. Mm-hmm. Have bottles of hand sanitizers. Have single-use drying towels in your bathroom for this holiday. Mm-hmm. It will yeah. just make people feel better, I think, about it, even if it's not your primary mode of 
protecting them. I did also want to just talk about, we talked a lot about cleaning and separating, but I do get this question fairly often. And it is, does cooking kill the coronavirus? All right. Hmm. Now, obviously, we're several months into this now. But originally, we didn't really have studies that, that definitively told us that. But the coronavirus is, sometime, is somewhat similar to the SARS virus. Mm-hmm. So if you remember the SARS virus that um, I think it caused avian flu, perhaps. But we did have tests on that. And our tests on that showed that that virus was inactivated if you cooked it to about, or if you heated it, right? Because we're not cooking the virus to eat it. But if you um, heated it to about 150 degrees. So that's good news because you should be cooking your turkey to 165 degrees. Right. <laughs> so if anybody's worried about the coronavirus on their at least cooked foods, if you're cooking them above 150 degrees, you can reassure your guests that should there have been any virus spread, you've probably taken care of it in the cooking process. But remember, again, that's, that's mouth, hand to mouth, food to mouth, not person to person, but just something to reassure people about as well. Sure. Right. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, if you're concerned about community spread? You know, one of the things that I've been reading from the CDC is if community spread is high, and again, we're not infection control experts, but, you know, what is what are your thoughts on what would be, you know, a reason to maybe postpone or, you know, consider maybe limiting it to immediate family only. Uh, I just, I, I wonder, because, you know, our cases are up in Ohio, and this last week has been not good, really. and I'm a little concerned that we're going to ramp right up here to Thanksgiving. At what point do you say, this is too risky, we're better off to postpone, or better out to just have an immediate family dinner? Or a Zoom <laughs> dinner. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I know I... In my bubble, right, I have um, two grandchildren and my daughter, you know, my, that family lives just a mile or so away. And we usually see each other about twice a week through this, especially during all the homeschooling, um, just to give my daughter a break because she's trying to work from home and has, you know, two kids that are trying to study from home. So when they, it's almost like every time I'm there, they know what the, our county code is. Right. So they're very, very informed in that, especially because, you know, we're, we're in the decision stage with now whether our kids are going back to school in person part time or not. So I think that's a valid question. You know, you could always follow what your county says for restaurants. If you want to follow that, if it says you're red and you can't have, you know, gatherings of more than 10, then you could go through that at home. Mm-hmm. I think going back to your um, comment, Amy, about limiting it to just really the essential people this year, uh, that if you keep changing the date because of the color, that might automatically do it based <laughs> on the schedule. Yeah. Uh, I wondered almost if, and this is more for my friends who have family that might be in extended care facilities or senior homes that really cannot bring somebody out. They're talking about just like a restaurant doing a drive-through meal or a takeout meal or a curbside meal, and I thought that was really kind of funny. Hmm. But they're packaging up a meal that can be delivered to the loved one 
instead of putting that loved one at risk or maybe even, you know, where they're staying, they're not permitted to come out right now. Yeah. yeah. So that's another way we can handle it. But it's kind of, you know, it does defeat the idea of gathering for the yeah. holiday. Well, I had thought about that. So that was one of those things that popped into my mind. If, you know, somebody's unable to come to us, maybe they have symptoms or something like that, or, you know, they're just not feeling well, maybe I just plan on making the dinner and I can drive by and drop them off a plate for them, you know, so that they can enjoy it. And maybe we do literally have a Zoom Thanksgiving and and we can all eat together and be together on, you know, virtually if it's that bad, you know, and if it's that risky to be around. Right. It's, it's an option. And I think when although not ideal, one of the things that's nice about this is I'm sure if we each talked about what our favorite Thanksgiving family food traditions are, there'd be a lot of similarities, but we each have something special, right? So -hmm. that way you could still make that special Thanksgiving family traditional food and get it to somebody who couldn't Mm -hmm. be there, which is nicer than perhaps taking them a restaurant meal. Not that I have anything against takeout restaurant meals, but for Thanksgiving, you might want that personally made item that you know how to make just the way they like it. Now, don't get me wrong. We've also talked about doing that, like just ordering (laughs) dinner and having everybody order their own food and order what they want for their dinner and then have... It, just that dinner delivered so that everybody right. has their own dinner and don't have to worry about the buffet that way. You don't have to worry about a lot of things that way. Yeah, I wondered about separate takeout containers. I had that thought because we've done that before. We have a garage that has a screen on it. So we've done a lot of entertaining in what we call the garage of social distancing <laughs> this summer. And it's nice because it's so large. The garage is pretty big. So we can sit 12 feet away mm-hmm. from parents. Um, mm-hmm. It's been wonderful, but we will often get takeout, but we give them all their own containers, their own silverware, mm-hmm. and then they don't have to even, come, besides coming in to go to the bathroom, they don't right. have to come into the house. Yep. And I'm hoping that we can stay warm enough, but I thought about individual takeout containers because then it just takes that us out of the equation, mm-hmm. you know, we're, again, we, we, again, not concerned really, the restaurant knows how to do this correctly, and you're not concerned with that, the food is going to be cooked. And I think that's a good way to handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, Amy, I am, I'm blown away by your concept of the garage as an entertainment venue. Okay. I think that is brilliant. I think that is brilliant. I have to tell you, we bought a screen, like a pull-down screen for the garage last summer. This was uh, two summers ago now. That was the best thing we've ever done for our house. because, And it's been wonderful because we can just spread everybody out. It's already ventilated. We put in a ceiling fan to continue to help with ventilation and we can open the back door so we could get a cross breeze through and it just is, it's been great for the summer because it's a good way to escape the heat. But I'm now thinking we've got a patio heater, you know, let's try to make that work for for Thanksgiving and Christmas if we can. I mean, obviously if it's 10 degrees out, we're not going to do that. (laughs) But if it's 45, we can pull that off. Yeah. Well, and you were wise because you have a patio heater. I would imagine yeah. it might be a challenge to get one right now. Yeah, I think it is. We got one before COVID, so we were lucky. 
Right. We just got a couple. I, I, we got one for one set of grandparents so that they could have one, and we got one for, I just had a birthday celebration with the other grandparent, <laughs> or parent for me, and, um, you know, and so they were ecstatic to have a heater because now they can continue to be outside and have people come over maybe every once in a while and be outside. And uh, we'll just have everybody bring their heaters with them for Thanksgiving is what we're thinking. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, the one thing you mentioned was, you know, Laura, you have kids coming home from school, right? Or we have seniors. I'm one of the seniors now, right, that comes home. <laughs> high risk guests. So I, I think about that. And I don't know if it would be too prescriptive or not, but if you do have the room, you might consider assigning tables. We so do that. that. Yeah. You don't put... You know, the the little kids with the drippy noses by the grandparent <laughs> who um, maybe didn't get the flu shot yet. I know one of my sisters who needs the plus 65 flu shot couldn't get it yet because they were out of it where mm -hmm. she lives. So you might almost think of like a wedding where you assign seats and tables. Yeah. But you have to gauge your family. But I look at those kind of separations as mm -hmm. it just might be wise to do yeah. and assign people based on their risks. If if that wouldn't make them feel bad. Yeah, we're completely lucky that way, and we actually do that. We So Amy's got her garage, and I've got a screened-in three-season room, you know, like, you know, so uh, we just are not putting the plexiglass up this year. We're leaving it open to the air, and we've got a heater. And then, you know, we've got a fire pit, too, so we could easily put tables out by the fire pit, tables in the screen porch with the heaters, so we're hoping that, like you said, I don't think it'll work in 10 degree weather, but it would be fine if it was 40 and 50 degrees outside. All right. I, I heard you say something, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to back up a minute. Uh-oh. <laughs> there is plexiglass. I didn't know anybody had plexiglass in their home, so I did not suggest that as an alternative because, of course, in restaurants, we have just, you know, plexiglass our entire well, we could put our plexiglass up inside, to, but you know we're trying not to. We're trying not. We're trying to keep air flow flow going. But yeah, I I know our house. We we moved into this house and it already had the screen porch with the plexiglass, and okay. it's kind of hilarious. The you um, it's something that you have. You know, you, you screws and you unscrew it every year and open it up for the summer and okay. then you close it back up for the winter or, well, for the fall and the spring. Uh, the winter is too cold out there, but even with the plexiglass up, but that prevents the airflow. So, of course, we wanted to keep it down. That's what I was talking about with the plexiglass. But, yeah, it's it's been there since we moved in. And Okay. I thought maybe you had divided up your screened in Oh, no. Yeah. Plexiglass section. Okay. I, I'm not sure. And I was going to be very, very impressed. No. I'm not sure about you, but very, very impressed. I'm sure my my family thinks I'm a little over the top with all of this, but I'm not that far over the top. Yeah, I I, ha I hadn't thought of that. We could use the plexiglass inside somehow if I could stand it up and <laughs> divide well, then, up. And we need visuals both of the garage outdoor Thanksgiving <laughs> and the plexiglass three season oh, right. porch Thanksgiving, and we can put this out there as uh, case studies for how to. I'll do that. I'll go take a picture of my back porch and I'll put it with the podcast so everybody can see what it looks like. 
You know, there's um, one other one other point on food safety and Thanksgiving that I just want to be sure to mention because uh, one of my concerns always is about, you know, the food at room temperature because we like to graze all afternoon or we always tend to have our Thanksgiving meal early and, and then have the later meal where we pull it out and make the turkey sandwiches. But so do chill your food within two hours. But as far as COVID-19 goes, chilling and freezing does not kill the virus. So all of this, uh, think of all the vaccine trials and tests that are going on right now. The way they preserve the virus through testing is in temperature controlled chillers. So I always encourage people to not count on chilling or freezing to help, yeah. To kill any virus, let alone COVID-19, because it will preserve it, not kill it. So if you reheat that food later, whether it's COVID or whether it's another <laughs> virus, please reheat it to 165 degrees. No matter what, if you're reheating, it should go to 165. And of course, you have a food thermometer, right? So <laughs> that's something I, that would be a good idea if you've not been a food thermometer person. Yeah. Get one. Yep. Get one. Get a good one. I mm-hmm. check me out at Keep Safe Food. I, I will tell you if you don't have a thermometer that's handy and easy to use, it's rarely you're much less likely to use it. Right. Yeah. I love mine because it's a bright color and it sticks on the side of the fridge, yeah. and it's I never even have to look in a drawer. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do it. Check it because you should check your microwave, re, your reheated microwave food, and it's it's I have no excuses because it's right there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the most useful thing. I said, my husband said it's changed his cooking life. You know, he used to sort of have to cut the burgers open to see if they were done or <laughs> chicken. Things were always overcooked. And he said it's just been an absolute life changer, not for uh, undercooking for him, but because he is overcooking things. Uh-huh. And, and we forget about that. Right. That yeah. It's easy to overcook food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can kind of check it to see when it's approaching the right. temperature that you need it to be and and take it off just at the right time. Yeah. Another reason a good thermometer is important too is that it reads quickly. Yeah. Because if it takes thirty seconds for it to get to the right temperature, you know, nobody waits that long. I think the one that I use has like a four second read. And once you do that you will never go back to a cheap or a slow thermometer again. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. The other thing that I think about is duration of the event. Yes. You had mentioned grazing all afternoon, and I thought, maybe people don't need to be there that long. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that would help cut down on some issues. You know, if you're planning to eat at 2 o'clock, the meal's from 2 to 3, and then we kind of encourage people to get on their way. Mm-hmm. Um, or move the event outdoors for just social time by the fire pit, if you're mm-hmm. at Laura. Um, <laughs> right I'm just thinking that... That you know, if you have people at your house five, six, seven hours, right? There's so much chance right. that either either you're just going to get lax with your social distancing because you want to sit down and talk to somebody that you haven't maybe seen all year, right. or you know, there's just a, the longer you're in an environment, mm-hmm. the more you know opportunity COVID has to spread, even if people are masked. Right. So, I I think that's a really good thought. And I go back to my, I, in my early days, I ran a weight management clinic. And we talked about controlling the environment to help you manage your eating. And I think you, you could thoughtfully do that um, mm-hmm. in terms of how you 
if you didn't have the appetizers out for that long, you know right. what I mean, or or put them out in between, or you know when you serve beverages and how what kind of beverages and how many bottles of wine you have on hand, those could kind of actually lend themselves to helping you uh, stage the party with more of a beginning and an end. The other thing I was thinking about because we usually start with the whole buffet of appetizers. Spread those out and use things like disposable toothpicks and those little disposable forks so that people can just serve themselves that way without a lot of, you know, using, just like when you're talking about your entrees and your sides with your appetizers as well. So, mm -hmm. great. Yeah. And then I think also, you know, I, I'm, this is something that if we were having more people over this year, I probably would have a talk, but I probably still will even mention to my parents, although they've been excellent about social distancing and being very careful. But I don't think it's out of line, you know, Laura, maybe with your boys to say, hey, please be careful the seven days prior to Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. You know, don't yeah. go out and take unnecessary risks. Don't go out and hang out with your friends because you know you're coming to my house and we're going to have other people here. Right. And I don't want to be, even though you and Tim are home all the time, mm -hmm. they're not, like you said. But right. maybe it would be okay to say to prospective guests, hey, you know, really appreciate you being as careful as possible. Right. And again, if you feel even questionable the day of, if you even feel overly tired, mm -hmm. um, it may not be a good idea to come. That's a great reminder. Just how are, how are people feeling? And then also just the week or two before being hyper vigilant about their safety and their hand washing and their can you know what they're exposing themselves to and to think about it that can only help and you two are both dietitians or you can you can put the weight on my shoulders you know you talk to a dietitian but in the industry we call them COVID captains and they're kind of specially trained to be the safety officer Hmm. So just like we talked about maybe assigning a server for a buffet, your buffet, you can say, I'm putting my safety, my COVID captain hat on, and here's some things I just want you to think about, you know, what you do before, how long you'll stay, um, where you might sit. So, it, you know, you would say it tongue-in-cheek, and my family's so used to hearing it from me, so they would just roll their eyes, right. but hopefully <laughs> they would still listen, you know, and say, right. well, here's, if you were going to a restaurant, here's the things they would be screening you for, asking you to do, mm -hmm. telling you how to act, and advising you where to sit, right. and it could do some good in a, in a tongue-in-cheek mm -hmm. kind of way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So. Well, we appreciate all of your wonderful tips. This has been a wonderful Thanksgiving how-to. Yes. And we appreciate any questions that you have, or if you have questions for, for Mary, that would be wonderful to hear as well. Mm -hmm. You can reach, reach us on our website at dish at secretliferd.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the Secret Life Dietitians, or you can follow us on Twitter at at tdietitians. And we look forward to visiting with Mary again. She's a friend of the podcast. She's been here several times and we just love her. <laughs> I know. Yes. Well, well having you back. Thanks. Well, this was fun because I learned some tips from you. Um, <laughs> think about in advance. So I like that. Thank you both. Yes. Right. And happy Thanksgiving to your families. Everybody, please stay safe. Please. We will see you next time. Bye.